Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. Have you ever noticed during interaction with others there are inquiries and some could be expected while others unexpected? And sometimes one's behavior can escalate this verbal exchange into heated interrogations and some can even lead into aggression. Some inquiries could be as a result of pure inquisitiveness or maybe because one's unresponsiveness. And there are times when one's inquiries could be from a genuine concern for a matter or one's well-being or they just want to know when it happens it does make one wonder though what's the motive because one thing for certain the response will either be acceptable or unacceptable and then what do you do well believe it or not it happens to God and God does it himself you got your tanks let's dive in this segment is titled Discipleship the Way of Life Questions. Questions. Why questions? Well, the plain old truth, if you don't ask, you won't know. So ask. But today we'll be diving into some of Jesus' questions, and yours truly will ask a few, but consider that God asked those that were placed in his presence while he was being Emmanuel, and he will also ask questions in the future as the judge of the living and the dead, because as the Alpha and Omega, he is. You will need to ask questions because questions are a normal part of life and Jesus proved that point because Jesus asked more than 300 questions to humanity and you must believe that he asked those then and his questions apply all along the linear line of time amen do you believe this truth of God that his word is living and active and applies all along the linear line of time you know when Jesus asks questions, his questions always penetrate to the heart of the matter. Jesus' questions will strike at the core of the situation because he always knows and his questions are for the hearer to recognize where they are spiritually because in our own righteousness we could deceive ourselves to the truth of God. Jesus' questions exposes humanity's deepest motives buried within one's own heart. In the flesh, you possess the capacity to display one persona, yet under the skin, a totally different guise. Self-deception is extremely dangerous. You could make yourself believe anything, even a lie, and then live as though that lie is true. And when, one, excuse me, and when one lives with a self-righteous mentality, and all a self-righteous mentality does is deceive oneself to believe something that's a lie. Because believe it or not, God knows the heart. And you can deceive others. But the plain old truth, you'll never deceive God. Listen to this truth of God that he knows your heart. It's Luke 16, 15. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Many pursue numerous things of the world, affluence, recognition, acceptance, prosperity, success, power, and abundance. And although it gives the illusion of God's blessing in one's life, to God, it's idolatry. Now, NGA does apply here. 
You'll either worship the things of the world, yourself or the creature, or you'll worship God and God alone. And one finds themselves through self-deception of worshiping the idol versus the worship, devotion, reverence, and honor to God who is worthy of all praise and all worship. The same holds true for all the religious deeds that one is deceived to believe will bring favor from God, which creates the illusion of the quote-unquote Christianness when in reality, under the skin, it's all self-serving, and to God, a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. I hope you've noticed over the past few Godcasts, through God the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the book of Job has been front and center. Well, we'll be diving into it again, and it's Job 42. And Job 42 is after God asked Job 77 questions, and Job had no answers for God. Now please understand, all humanity is in the same predicament as Job. Because in God's sovereignty, he could ask you questions about yourself that you couldn't answer, let alone God asking you about his word and all of his creation. Amen? Listen to what Job says to God in Job 42, 2-6. I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Have you ever felt that way? Running off at the mouth to God, speaking and thinking about things about God, and then God makes what's uncertain definite, what's mistaken understood, and what's a lie truth. And although at times we think we have a lot to say to God, and God makes who he is and who we are a reality in our mind, and the truth of God begins to permeate throughout your entire existence that God is the creator of all things, and in him all things hold together, and we exist within his creation because his providential will is what is in control, and then it causes us to go to the mirror, put your finger up to your mouth, and go, shh. Because when God does his work in your mind, his omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence confirms he's God and you're not that God has dominion over all creation, and you find yourself in true repentance acknowledging God's truths, which snuffs out the self-imposed and external arrows of deception. Because questions can reveal more than we realize. It could confirm that one is deficient of needed information to render a decision or to make a fact clear. Or someone is just plain old nosy and they want to know for their own benefit. 
Whether you're asking questions or being asked, a question can bring issues, circumstances, events, and associated facts to the forefront of the discussion, and then you have an answer. Now, the next issue is, is the answer a truth or a lie? Well, the simple truth, with God, it's all truth. Now, that answer may not be what you wanted or desired to hear. That applies to God first and humanity second. But, you have an answer. Now, what are you going to do with the answer that was given as a result of your question? Because now that depends on the recipient of the information. I pray God brings his understanding to your mind about the truth of who he is and what he's done to bring forth salvation into the lives of his chosen people. Now, I'm sure you're aware there are many fields of work in our culture that asking questions is the norm for business operations. I remember back in my automobile claim days, there were pages and pages of questions to ascertain the facts and truth about how an accident occurred. And depending on the severity of the accident, that was a determinant for the type of questions, number, and the scope of the questions. But most importantly, when asking questions, the questioner needs to listen. Because if you're not listening, You'll miss the important facts or factors that helps render a decision. And that important information could impact you beyond your own expectations. The same applies to God. As a disciple of Jesus, we must listen when God speaks. And we are to believe what God says because God is omniscient and we are but dust with a finite mind. By the way, God's questions of Job start in Job chapter 38. And God's questions will cause the same silence in you as it did Job. You can count on that. That is, only if you read it with God's sovereignty in the forefront of your mind. And I pray God gives you understanding to grasp his sovereignty and what God is asking Job. Amen? Take some time and read it and I pray God blesses your time in it. Now, agree or disagree? Government agencies from your local police, fire, rescue, and arson, to the CIA, DOD, ATF, DEA, FBI, and Interpol all ask questions. When you are on a job interview, there are various questions asked about you, your past, and your experiences. They could pose some questions you may even dread. And in legal situations, you can expect there'll be a question or two you would prefer not to answer. Let me ask you this question. You're asked a question by your spouse. And when you're asked that question, and it's totally relatable, do you see your spouse as a helper placed in your life by God as the generator of the question? Or is it really God asking the question through his vessel, since you know that God is the creator of all things, and there is a time for every event under heaven? How about when your parents or your children ask you questions? Do those questions make you feel uncomfortable? 
you should know that an attorney will not ask questions that they don't already know the answer to. And again, I wonder if they got that strategy from God. Have you ever wondered as a parent how many questions you asked your teenager? And how about this? Why do young parents question grandparents about their children as your child while you're thinking, how did you make it to parenthood? Last question. How many times as a parent did you answer this question? What is that? Now, going into asking questions, we're going to get to a question that applies all along the linear line of time and would cause everyone to sit up, pay attention, and listen to what God is saying. And the question is found in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Cogitate on this. Could Jesus be referencing the difference in calling him Lord, you know, just hearing the mention of his name and his mention for knowledge's sake and the absolute truth is not addressed and one accepts the information versus the person and then one accepts an opinion as absolute truth and not because one has been born again and made into a new creature by the work, power, and occupation of God the Holy Spirit and God reveals the truth of his Son in and by his Spirit and Word, thinking in one's heart that religious or righteous behavior will be pleasing to God, then attempting to create one's self through the thoughts which now proceed from the heart into the mind, creating the action of attempting to move oneself nearer to God, and the things or the actions of reading God's word, listening and learning the latest religious songs, going to church, sitting alone, serving, you know, all the actions of one that they perceive to be a act of obedience versus the Lord knowing you and you resting, trusting and believing in the finished work of Jesus. The simple truth, because God is the potter, and you are the clay. By God's sovereignty, you're doing what God commands by causing you to call him Lord and do not do what he says. Look at it this way. That would be like the potter asking you, the clay, why are you a green pot? Now listen to this difficult question God asks, and it's in Genesis 3, 9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Please understand, for an omniscient God, it was not because he didn't know where Adam was physically or spiritually, for that matter. No, he was asking humanity where he was to recognize his own spiritual condition, that he was now where God said he would actually be, and now he was surely looking at spiritual death because God commanded in Genesis 2:17, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. The plain old truth. God asked Adam because my fellow disciples, 
Adam was exactly where God's foreknowledge and predetermined plan said he would be standing, thinking, and hiding, dead as a doornail. Remember Job 12:9, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Both Adam and you would have the same answer. It's God and only God, because it was God, is God, and will always be God, doing his work of salvation in and through all of his creation in the righteousness of Jesus. Because at the judgment seat of Jesus, he will be asking you accountability questions. Let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7.23 to confirm this truth. Jesus doesn't say, you did not do what I say as a reason for condemnation and departure. No. Jesus, with his foreknowledge and authority, says this, And then I will declare to them, I never do you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Because if you're saying Jesus is Lord, then... God the Holy Spirit is completing His work in you by God's foreknowledge and predetermined plan for your salvation at the foundation of the world. Listen to this truth in 1 Corinthians 12.3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. The plain old truth? The truth of God, by the work, power, and teaching of God the Holy Spirit, you would say, I am the way I am because of you, God, who is Lord over all, including me, as your little green pot. God, as your word confirms the truth, it's all the work of your hand, because if you desired for me to do what you say, then I surely would, just as your spirit does exactly what he hears. So, can I ask this question? Do you truly believe you could do something other than what God in his sovereignty commanded, ordained, and planned for you in this life? And if you think you could, that would be like Jesus commanding you to depart from him and you say, no, I'm spending eternity with you whether you like it or not. Really? Now here's a question that Jesus asks, and this question is still being asked today. Imagine that. Which confirms God's word is living and active, applies all along the linear line of time, and applies today. It's Matthew 16, 13. Listen. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, is that question being asked today or not? Therefore, God's word is true. Yes or no. NGA. Their answer is amazing because it proves God's truth all day long. Their answer is in Matthew 16, 14 through 16. And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So may I ask you, who do you say that Jesus is? Jesus' response to Peter's answer confirms God the Father and God the Holy Spirit's work being carried out in and through Peter's life. Listen to this. It's Matthew 16, 17. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The plain old truth, Jesus is the only salvation for humanity. He's the Messiah, the Son of the only true God. And your proof? Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other person, my fellow disciples, that can bring healing to your unclean spirit. No other person that can save your soul from weeping, mourning, and gnashing of teeth. There is no form of religion that will bring you into eternal life with God. There is no amount of work that you can perform that will satisfy God's wrath for sin except Jesus and Jesus alone. God's sovereign will and plan proclaims this, faith alone in Jesus' life, his obedience, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his suffering, and his work alone. This next question that Jesus asks strikes right at the core of anyone possessing a self-righteousness way of living. Having a heart consumed with self-righteousness creates an illusion, which is truly deception, of one's own righteousness. And through this manufactured righteousness, one deceives themselves to believe what they achieve through their own righteous works, which makes them acceptable to God as they compare themselves to others. And when they do, the truth is distorted because then they perceive themselves as a good person. Listen to what Jesus asks in response to a young man's inquiry in Mark 10, 17 and 18. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I pray God causes you to move toward him today. I will testify, there is no better place anywhere in creation or eternity for that matter than in the presence of the only true God. And God is so loving, you don't need to have a certain status or try to make an appointment. God will meet you right where he placed you on the date and the time that he scheduled in his foreknowledge. You can count on that. And I must testify, one cannot be but humbled and bow the knee under the mighty right hand of God. God testifies to this truth in Philippians 2.10. 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And when God says every, he means every. And when the young man said, what must I do? I would imagine Jesus turned and looked at his disciples because Jesus knows that with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You know that when humanity tries to achieve, work for, perform, or undertake religious deeds to obtain eternal life, they are trusting in themselves versus the faith in a finished work of Jesus. That's the plain old truth. Remember, God says there's a time for every event under heaven, as Ecclesiastes 3.1 testifies. There is an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. You can rest assured, this young man, born to his parents, what he possessed, where he lived, how he approached Jesus, when he arrived, what he said, and how he acted, who was in attendance, what they saw and heard, was all written into the foundation of the world by the Creator Himself in His predetermined plan. You can believe that truth. Jesus' answer to the man's question was nothing other than a question. And of course, Jesus' words, sharp, piercing, convicting, and authoritative. He asked the young man, Why do you call me good? You see, self-deception causes you to look at yourself and what you are accomplishing. You know, your do list. And when you consider yourself completing the quote-unquote good works and someone else may do the same as you or even in your own estimation an assessment better than yours, then they must be good too. How many times have you heard someone say about another, Oh, they're a good person. Or, Oh, they have a good heart. Well, Jesus is testifying to the plain old truth. No one is good except God alone. Jesus is making it known to all humanity. No one, not one, is good. Now, if we look at this truth with an NGA mindset, you must believe you have either no one is good except God alone, then that must mean everyone else evil. Because the man communicated to Jesus that he was righteous according to the law. And in his obedience to the law, he was living an example of righteousness according to the law. And in this man's mind, he was living out his own righteousness by the works of the law. And because he lived by the law, he was blind to the fact that he was deceiving himself that he was right before God. This is what Jesus is testifying to. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified 
as I quote what God says in Galatians 2.16. The plain old truth, it's faith alone in Jesus alone. Put down all the stuff and rest in the experience and the freedom in the faithfulness, obedience, sacrifice, righteousness, and life of Jesus alone. So, the next question by Jesus will cause an immediate vision, viewpoint, and outlook change. It's Matthew 7, 3, and 4. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log in your own eye? Consider this. Jesus makes it very clear. Criticism and judgment of others is actually condemning to yourself. All of humanity has a vision problem. If you notice, both have an object in their eye and it doesn't matter the size, whether speck or log. Sin obstructs one's view in understanding of the truth. And it would be self-deception to think that in the view of looking at others, comparing and viewing to yourself with a sinful nature, only magnifies the sin that is apparent in your own life. Listen to Romans 2, 1 through 4. Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of the Lord leads you to repentance? And Romans 2, 19-23 And are you confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of truth, you, therefore, who teach another. Do you not teach yourself, you who preach that one should not steal? Do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? I truly believe what God has said says it all. As we head back up, take this with you. God confirms his truth, his righteousness, and his salvation in and through his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Nothing you could ever do would make God look at your work because his eyes are toward Jesus' completed work 
for the salvation of humanity. Remember, put down all your righteousness and your religious deeds and all the must-dos and rest and experience true freedom. And spiritual freedom comes through faith alone in Jesus' life, his obedience, his faithfulness, his suffering, his words, his truth, his salvation, his righteousness, and his finished work alone. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, you have made it known that all of your creation, that eternal life is only found in Jesus. Your righteousness is in him, and all things have been created in him and for him, and he holds all things together. Abba, please give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a true understanding that is Jesus and only Jesus. Let his name roll out of our mouths. You have commanded your disciples to fix our eyes on Jesus, but we know without the power of your spirit and being alive and working in and through us, we do not possess the capacity to keep our eyes fixed on him. Empower us by your spirit to fix our eyes on Jesus. There are those you have ordained to hear the words of Jesus. Open their hearts to receive your spirit, your words, your truth, your understanding, and the truth of Jesus that Jesus became flesh to dwell among humanity so that the law would be fulfilled in him and only him. Abba, you promised, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed just as you have created the world and all it contains. Make us to become your righteous people in him so we can glorify your name. And when that day comes according to your foreknowledge and predetermined plan, when we close our eyes and breathe our last breath, I pray you will raise us in him and live forever in your presence. Thank you for today. Thank you for the new heart and spirit. Thank you for your spirit. And thank you, and we are so grateful, so, so grateful for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.